Uh, well, we're in week two of this series. We're calling anything but average. And um, the thing about average is that it's not always bad. Sometimes average can be very good. I mentioned last week that being an average American isn't terrible. We have a lot higher standard of living than the rest of the world. So average isn't awful. But there are some things that we know where average isn't always great. And I think that's why we kind of tend to not to like being called average. And so what we're doing in this series is we are walking through bits and pieces of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' most famous sermon. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And what Jesus is constantly doing through that is kind of showing that he doesn't want his followers to be average, to blend into the crowd. He takes kind of the low standard, the low bar that maybe culture has set or our surroundings have set, and he raises it. And he says, you've heard that it was said, this is what everybody else is doing, but I say you need to live to a much, much higher standard. And so he always wants his followers to not be average. In fact, Jesus is calling us to be anything but average. And I don't think I've ever met anybody that has aspired to average. Uh, most of us, like I said, we think that we're exceptional. And so if I didn't convince you last week that you were average, uh, let me share something else I learned this week. Um, that if you look at the entirety of the United States, the most average state in the Union is Illinois. Uh, because based on median income, uh, age groups, when you look at amount of the population in rural areas versus urban areas, the averages in Illinois line up with kind of the national averages. The really only two places where Illinois was different than uh, the national averages was we tend to have a few less veterans on average, and Illinoisans tend to have uh, longer commutes than most of the rest of the population. Now, I'm doing my best to make that average line up with the rest, to lower our commute time. I live right there. It takes me like 30 seconds to get to work every day, so I'm doing my part to make us more average. I don't know. Maybe some of you can as well. Um, Illinois is so average, we even have a town called Normal. That's how average we are. And so... Illinois, we are one of the most average states in the Union, if nothing else. And so, as much as we don't want to be average, I think we have to at least admit that averages show what is true about most of us. That's what an average is. They look at a huge piece of the population, and they decide what is true for that large, large chunk. And so, for most of us, we're going to be average whether we want to or not. And so, kind of the starting place for, for acknowledging that Jesus wants his followers to be anything but average is admitting that maybe more often than we'd like, we are average. That our reactions to life are not the way Jesus wants us to be. We line up more with how our culture expects us than how Jesus expects us to live. And so, Jesus wants his followers to be anything but average. Now, what we're talking about this week and how we need to look at the world and how we need to be anything but average is in the topic of. Now versus later. Now versus later. And I think we live in a world that almost forces you to be 100% focused on the now. I mean, our world is trying to get everybody focused on what is happening right, right now. Uh, and there's so many different examples of that. Um, one thing uh, that I was thinking about this week that I've gotten spoiled with how instantly I want things, uh, I have an Amazon Prime membership. Some of you have an Amazon Prime membership. If you don't know what that is, on the website Amazon, you can sign up, pay, I think it's like $100 a year, and for the entire year, everything you order, at least most of the things you order, will come in two days. You get two-day free shipping on everything. And I love that. I, we order tons of stuff through Amazon, and because of that, um, it's, there's some things it's like it's not even worth going to the store. Like my kids run out of flossers, you know, for their teeth. Oh, I don't want to go to the store. Amazon, click, done, they'll be here in two days. They can, they can live two days without flossing, it'll be fine. 
And so let's just kind of, we order so many things on Amazon. And uh, uh, the other day I had to order something from a different website. And the free shipping option was regular ground. Like, I was like, I have to wait five to seven days for something? What is this, like the dark ages? Are they delivering on a horse and buggy? Like what? And I got to wait almost a week to get my package? What is going on here? And it was like, man, how spoiled have I become? And uh, Amazon Prime is not even the extreme of how lazy and how instantly we've become. Uh, Amazon, I don't know how many of you have heard of this, but have you heard of the Amazon Dash button? Has anybody heard of the Amazon Dash button? Okay, very few. This is going to blow your mind, okay? Amazon, you can buy these little tiny buttons that are about this big, and you set up the button on your phone to what product you want to be tied with that button. So, for example, here is an Amazon Dash tied button. So you tell your phone, you tell Amazon what type of detergent you buy, and so you stick this little button on your washing machine, and when you get low on detergent, you just walk up and press that button. You don't have to do anything, think about anything. It orders it for you, pays for it for you, and two days later, detergent magically shows up on your door. How cool is that? Like, how lazy have we become? All right, and so, you know, and I, I get this. This is a great example, okay? Sometimes you want detergent. I don't always think about detergent. By the time you do laundry, you forget to write it down. I get that, okay? Um, there's another one here, um, Charmin. Maybe it's just me. I feel like two days is a long time to wait when you're really in need. I don't know. I figure that button, like, it's too late, man. You're already in trouble. And then there's some, like I was looking through all the options for Amazon buttons that you could buy, and there were some that was like, I just can't fathom any situation where you would need a button that orders these products. What, what sort of emergency are you in that you need to, you need to order Doritos without thinking about it? But the mo- the, this is the most ridiculous one I found, was a Slim Jim. Now, Slim Jims are those things that you get at the gas station when you're on a long car ride and you want to have a stomach ache. I can't imagine when you're like, I'm at home, I can't afford to get off the couch, I need Slim Jim brought to my door. Boom. I I just cannot understand some of these things that come with the Amazon Dash button. But you you look at that, and that's, that's one example. I also think about online video. Like, we haven't had cable or an antenna for years. We've just been working off of uh, Netflix and Amazon, and we watch a lot of shows. And what's really cool about these uh, online things is you don't have to rent videos anymore, go to the store. You can just take your remote out and watch uh, from a selection of hundreds of movies at the touch of a button. And you can take a season of a show and watch episode after episode after episode after episode of a season without getting up. And some of you that have Netflix and you do the binge-watching thing, every now and then after about four or five episodes, Netflix pops up this thing and it says, are you still watching this? And I'm like, don't judge me, Netflix. Like, that's how I kind of feel about it. It's like, I, if I want to watch ten episodes on my day off, you back off, Netflix. That's not your problem. Like, uh, so I, but, but it's so instant. Everything is so now. And our, our attention span is focused on now. Last week, we looked at how the fact that I mentioned that we only have eight-second attention spans. The average American has an eight-second attention span. And the goldfish has nine, and that's really sad that we have been supplanted by the goldfish as the lowest attention span. And so we have fast food restaurants, we have Amazon Prime, we have Netflix and Hulu smartphones that make it possible for us to have it now, eat it now, watch it now, know it now. We don't wait for anything anymore. And the problem 
in our lives, or there are lots of problems, let me say it that way, there are lots of problems that arise when we are only solely focused on the now and we exclude what's going to happen later. Uh, I've seen people that have terrible financial problems because they, they just, their brain is not wired to think about later. All they can think about is right now, and I want it, and I should probably have it, I deserve it, and so they get it now, not thinking about the fact that for the next several years they're going to have payments tied to that thing because they just had to have it now. And I've, I've talked with lots of people, and I have compassion for those people because I've been one of those people who couldn't wait, and I had to have it now. In fact, last night, my wife, she was uh, hanging out with a bunch of friends, and, okay, let me back up. If you weren't here last week, I mentioned, confessed might even be a better word, my deep desire to get an Apple Watch. Uh, ben and I were playing reverse chicken last week, being in Best Buy, trying to wait for the other one to buy one so that we could buy one. And then we could go home to our wives and say, well, Ben bought an Apple Watch, so I kind of had to get one, you know. Um, and, so we, and so last night, my wife, she went uh, to Indianapolis to hang out with some of her friends from college. And last night, a couple of them went to get tattoos, and she said, hey, we're going to a tattoo shop later. And I said, if you get a tattoo, I'm buying an Apple Watch. <laughs> and I was like, I see an opportunity here. And Ben, and then Ben and I get to talking. And he's like, you know, even if you get, she gets a tattoo and you buy an Apple Watch, you can still hold it over her head. Because you can say, at least my bad decision was temporary. I was like, you're a genius. So, you know, so, you know we want things to happen now. And problems arise financially, and not just like in, in terms of your cash and your time, but there's also things like relationships. I've seen people who got lost in the moment of an argument, and, and all they wanted to do was win that argument now, and, and their desire to win the argument now, their pride, their anger, their short-sightedness led them to say things now to win the argument without thinking about how those words would kind of hang in the air later. And how those words would wound and, and bring defeat now, but those wounds don't heal the second the fight's over. And they said things, hurtful things, that they could not take back because they wanted to win now. And so there's a problem. There's lots of problems that happen in our lives when we are only focused on now. And what is average in our world, average is being consumed with now, living with little regard for later. That's just the world we live in. But that does not mean that we have to be those people. It does not mean that we have to be average, that we have to blend in to the woodwork like everybody else. We can be different. In fact, I think Jesus it calls us to be different. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you want to go ahead, or sorry, Matthew chapter 6, excuse me. Matthew chapter 6. That's, uh, we'll start in verse 19. And if you uh, want to use one of the Pew Bibles, that's page 685. The words will be on the screen. Or you can use uh, your Bible or any mobile device with uh, the Bible app on it a Bible app on it. And in this passage we're looking at, Jesus is very obviously encouraging us to focus on later and not just be totally consumed with now. And you have to have some of your energy in now because now is real. Life is happening. There are things you have to do. I mean, sometimes you, you got to go buy that toilet paper. You don't need a button for it. Sometimes you just got to go do it. Sometimes you have to go, you got to feed your kids. You got to do certain things. So there is a certain amount of your energy that will be focused on the now. It's unavoidable. And so we must be intentional about pulling ourselves out of all the things that are screaming for our attention and looking down the road. And that's what Jesus is calling us to in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, meaning that's what's now. Earth is now. You're, you're hoarding up things for yourself now. And the word treasures is kind of a weird word that we don't use a lot. We could replace the word treasures with stuff. 
That's just kind of our lives. We just kind of collect stuff, all kinds of stuff. And that's where we are. And, um, you know, I used to make fun of people who couldn't park their cars in their garages because they had so much stuff. And then I became one of those people. And it wasn't as funny anymore. And I was a few years ago, somebody was reminding me for the first time I made fun of that, because I probably talked about it for five minutes, making fun of people who couldn't get their cars in their garage from this stage. And uh, then, yeah, then a couple years I became one of those people, and it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And, and we might not even think of all the things in our lives and in our garages and in our, in our drawers as treasures. We might just call it junk. We got too much junk around here, too much extra stuff, and we know we need to clean it out. But we cannot deny that all that stuff is a signal that we are blessed Blessed way, way beyond the majority of people that live on this planet. And so all that stuff that we have and we've accumulated, that's kind of, I think, what he's hinting at here. It's all the money, all the extra stuff, all the nicer cars for the sake of having a nicer car. We have a lot, a lot of treasure on this earth. And he says, do not store up treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy. Maybe your Bible translation says where moth and rust destroy. That word in the original Greek, it actually just talks about something that is slowly eaten away at. Could be rust, could be a critter, I don't know, but where moth and some things just corrode away over time. It says, and where thieves break in and steal. And Jesus makes this point that everything that you build up now, and I mean literally everything that you build up now is vulnerable. Everything you build up now will slowly be whittled away at over time. It can be taken away from you in a second. Uh, You know, we've faced that reality here in Loamia. I talk about this a lot, that we are kind of our own little tornado alley. We've been a little more fortunate in the last number of years than we have in the past. But, but basically, he wants to point out that in a moment, those things that you have spent years collecting, the, 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 in a moment, those things that you have been years putting together can be gone. It can be taken from you. I mean, some of us, you spent years being able to afford that house. You spent years having the, taking all those pictures and buying those clothes, and a tornado comes through, and in a second, it's gone. Everything that you have collected in the world is absolutely gone. And you're like, all those years of energy are just wiped away by one bad day of weather. Everything in our lives is absolutely vulnerable. Even something as like our health. I mean, no matter how healthy you are, and you build yourself up to have muscle, and you, you eat the right foods that the doctor says, or heart health, and omega-3s, and everything, even your health, no matter how much you build it up and try to be strong, even age will slowly take that from you. There is nothing that you can build up on this earth that is permanent. Everything is vulnerable. And Jesus is saying that we can put a lot of time and energy into stuff that can be gone in a moment, that will eventually, inevitably, be stolen from us. And he goes on to give us a better way to invest in Matthew 6, verse 20. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Heaven is later. Are you breathing? Yes. That, is, then that means heaven for you is later. It's later. And he says, in heaven, the investments that we make cannot be eaten by moths. They can't be slowly corroded away by vermin. He says, moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves cannot break in and steal. And he points out the fact that in heaven, every dangerous thing, every bad thing will be removed and cannot touch anything that we have invested in heaven. Now, treasures in heaven can mean a couple different things. One, you see hints at um, in Scripture where believers who are more faithful, who are more obedient to God, in some way, shape, or form, there are rewards for us in heaven. That does not mean salvation. Every believer gets salvation as a free gift, but there's hints along the way that in some way, shape, or form, those who are more obedient will 
receive some extra level of reward in heaven, and it really doesn't give us any hint at what those rewards might be. So I don't know. Okay? So that can be one way that you store up treasures for yourselves in heaven, by living obediently now. Um, but another way that I kind of look at it is that the only things that truly last are the things that are in heaven. And the only thing that gets to move from this life to the next life is people. And so if we want to invest, be able to take things from this life with us, the only thing that we are going to be able to move from this life to the next is people. And so investing in heaven is very much, in a real way, investing in those things which help people hear and hopefully believe in the gospel and the saving grace of Jesus. And so rather than, you know, investing in money, you know, banking and all that stuff, yes, you want to have a retirement, yes, it's good to invest for the future, there's lots of stuff about wise finances in Proverbs, but instead of hoarding up piles and piles that we'll never be able to spend, and sort of getting clothes and cars and bigger this and nicer that, what we need to be investing in is people and sharing the gospel with people who really, really need to hear it so that they can have the salvation that Jesus died to bring them. Because you're not going to be able to take your car. I don't care how sweet a ride it is. I don't care that it's got that button that remembers how you like your seat to sit. It's got that button that keeps you all nice and warm. And some people even have heated steering wheels. Man, that's living the life right there. I can't even imagine a heated steering wheel, man. That's good stuff. So we have all of these things, but you can't take it with you. Your kid's batting average, not going to make it to heaven. I don't, and so the things we need to invest in are things that I think are going to be helping people hear the gospel, know the gospel, so that they can move from this life to the next in heaven. And you can do that with your finances. Uh, I've said before that very early on, before we got married, Abby and I decided that we always wanted to be people who tithed. And we knew that was going to be difficult. And we didn't want to have to try to tithe later. We knew it would be easier just kind of from the start of our marriage. And so we've tithed every year of our marriage because we believe that what happens in this church is to share the gospel. And so we've seen, like we said, lives changed in these pews. We know that we give so that kids can hear about the gospel from the earliest age in, in our kids' ministries. We know that the gospel through uh, finances that are given to this church goes to India and Myanmar so that people there can um, hear about the gospel. Uh, in that weekly email I send out every week, you'll notice that every now and then, if you click on the links for uh, our mission partners, we have newsletters for them. You can read about what's happening in India and what's happening in Myanmar to see the support we're giving to, to see what they're doing with that. And so we want to give in our money, not just in a way that's going to buy us stuff, but in ways that we hope are investing in heaven and helping people transition from this life to heaven. Another way you can uh, invest in heaven is in how you spend your time with the people in your life. I, I think of kids, because that's, that's the stage of life I'm in. Uh, I, I desperately, desperately hope that my kids, at one point when they're old enough, will understand the grace of Jesus, the amazing love that he poured out for them on the cross, they will put their hope in him and get moved off the road to hell and on the road to heaven. And I want to be with my kids in heaven. And so one way that I hope to do that is to invest in time with my kids, not just in being a glorified chauffeur. I don't want to spend the most pivotal 10 uh, years of their life just driving them from one activity and appointment to the next. I want to, at some point, not that those are bad, not that activities are bad, but I don't want that to be everything. There's got to be a time when there's a relationship with my kids, and I can explain to them Jesus, and I can question maybe some of the, the beliefs that aren't going to hold up, and I can help them build a real faith, not just hand them something because they have been here enough, you know. Uh, I want to have a relationship with them where I can share the gospel with them and invest in them so hopefully it will make an eternal difference in 
their lives. And, and so those are things that we can do. You've got friends, relationships, coworkers, family members that you see several times a year that need the gospel. That's a way that you invest in heaven. Maybe it's an awkward conversation. Maybe it's somebody that's a little resistant and a little harsh to you because they know you go to church and they think you're kind of an idiot for believing in a fairy tale of a big white bearded man in the, in the clouds or however they say it. But you have those conversations, not because it's easy, not because it's fun, but because it's an investment in eternity. And I think what we need to do and what Jesus is calling us to do is to stop being so focused on the now, to pull ourselves out of it a little bit and realize that everybody will spend eternity somewhere. And we desperately should hope that it should be heaven and do whatever we can to help people move from this life to heaven. And so you can invest in this life. You can. You have that right, that ability, but it's so, so short term. Or you can invest in people. You can invest in their eternity and hopefully lead them to a treasure that can never be taken away. And then Jesus closes with this very famous verse that so many people know. Matthew 6, 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think for years I, I understood this wrong. The way that I've heard this before and thought of this before and probably the way I've preached this before is that you will spend your time, your energies, your money on the things you care about. And that if you looked at someone's bank statement or their calendar, you would see the things they care about because we spend our time and our money on the things that we care about. So that I kind of looked at it in that your treasure will follow your heart. But I don't think that's what it's saying here because it doesn't say your treasure follows your heart. It says where your treasure is, that's where your heart goes. And so what it's pointing out, I think, is that your emotions will follow your investments. And I got to thinking this week, and I've, I've thought about this for a long time, but I was really mulling it over this week, and that I, because I've suffered with this before, and that I know so many Christians who have no excitement about going to heaven, They're, who have no eagerness of going to heaven. I, I think I told you once, my old youth minister, and when I was in high school and college, uh, he used to say, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. And I thought he was nuts. I was like, why? This is awesome. Like, why would you want to go to heaven? Like, you got a wife and kids, your life's cool. I mean, you, you got a job and you make more money than I can even fathom as a high school kid, you know? And so I was like, why would you want to go to heaven? I mean, yeah, we, we, I hope to go there one day, but I don't want to go there. And I think, why is it that so many Christians who, who have been through the worst this life has to offer and we have a hope of a perfect life coming after this, why is it that we have no excitement, no eagerness for eternity? It's because we have only invested in here and now, and our heart has followed our investment. And we don't want to go to heaven because we have built up so much here. We have established ourselves so much here that we don't, we're, there's too much to lose is what, how we look at it. It's how we feel. This life has too much to give up. And we've, we've spent no time investing in heaven. And we have nothing to look forward to in heaven because we've been shoveling, piling up here and now. And uh, I said this before also, but I, I've seen believers who get to a point in life when they know more people in heaven than they do on earth. And there's that point where this life just doesn't seem sweet anymore to them. You talk to them, and there's just, I don't know if it's a sadness or a depression or what it is, but there's that moment when you realize the hope that you've placed in this world was useless. You realize how short this life was and how much time you've invested here, and you realize what really matters is what's next. My grandpa he lived to be 91 years old, my mom's dad, and for the last 10 years of his life, he just, he wasn't himself. 
He was, I mean, he, he started his adult life as a Marine. He enlisted and went to World War II, fought in Iwo Jima, got shot on Iwo Jima, and he was the kind of guy who did everything and could do everything, self-sufficient, owned his own business, and I mean, as long as he could, he would kind of guy. And the last years of his life, his body got weak and tired, his legs kind of gave up on him, you know, his mind got a little fuzzy, but not so fuzzy that he didn't know it was fuzzy. He was aware that he couldn't remember and things of that sort, and he knew he wasn't as sharp as he used to be. And that last 10 years of his life, he just didn't seem like himself. And you could tell this life just wasn't as sweet to him anymore. And he even would say, I am so ready to go. I don't know what God is doing keeping me here. Surely there's something better waiting for me because it is not this life. Because his wife had passed on. Two of his four kids had passed on. All of his siblings had passed on. Most of his friends had passed on. Very few of his friends lived to be 91. And he was ready because he had more invested there than here. And his heart had finally made the move to there. And so I wonder, it's no wonder, I guess, why so many of us, I think, are so unexcited about heaven, are so uneager about heaven, and I think it is a key indicator of where our focus has been. And I think our focus has been wrong. Because we can, we can store up here. We all have that ability. Some of us more than others. But in the moment, in a blink of an eye, it can all be wiped away. It can all be taken. And no matter how much of a pile you build up here, it's not going to follow you to heaven. The only thing that's going to make the transition is the people that give their life to Christ. And so my question to you is, what are you investing in? What is the focus of your life? We, Jesus is not calling us to be average. I mean, average is who's got the bigger stuff, the nicer stuff. I was even thinking this week about how weird it is. Um, there's a pressure, I think, on parents to have uh, new stuff for even our kids. I, I, my kids are soon to be five and three. I hate buying shoes. It's a worthless pursuit. I mean, I go to, I, I'll take them to preschool and see kids wearing nice shoes, and it's like, that was dumb. Like, why'd you do that? Like, I mean, I buy my kids, I mean, I bought them, I splurged last time, I had them both with me, and they saw these light-up Spider-Man shoes, and I was weak, and I caved, all right? So, um, but for the most part, I mean, they're already smooth on the bottom. They ran them flat, and they'll be grown out of them tomorrow. You know, and, you know, I heard a song this week about a kid, a guy who was singing about playing ball as a kid with his second-hand mitt. I can't tell you the last time I saw a kid with a second-hand mitt. We, we got to think, our kid's got to have the newest one, and my kid can't be the only kid at practice with a second-hand mitt. Oh, no, They'll, people will call DCFS on me if I get my kid a secondhand mitt, you know, and there's these pressures to have the newest, the nicest. That is what our whole world is telling us to do, and Jesus says, stop it. Don't settle for average. Don't settle for just being like everybody else. It's easy to be average because nobody makes fun of you. It's easy to be average because sometimes you just want to blend in. But when, as followers of Christ, we have been called to more. And he says, pull your head out of now and look around. There is a future. And everybody in your line of sight will spend eternity somewhere. Help them spend it in the right place. Invest in the right things. Do not invest in now. Invest in later. Anything but average people invest in later. And because you live for later, your life will get better. Not just here, but also in eternity. Because... Jesus didn't die on a cross only so your life could be awesome here. And as we take communion this morning, servers, if you would please go prepare. As we take communion this morning, I want you just to think about the simple fact that Jesus died on the cross not to change your 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years here. He died on the cross to change your eternity, 
That's millennia after millennia after millennia. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but believers in Christ have an unlimited amount of life. Unlimited amount of life because of what Christ did. And we should be more focused on this huge span of time that we will spend in eternity and less focused on this blip, this millisecond of life that we're going to spend here on earth. Don't just be consumed with now. Be consumed with later. Be anything but average. Jesus is calling us to anything but average, and he died so that we could be anything but average. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time to celebrate communion as we remember that Jesus died on a cross not just for earth, but for the eternity of every soul who would live here. And I thank you for this reminder on eternity. I thank you for this reminder to, that we need to focus on later because everything reminds us of now. Everything calls us to now. Everything is instant. Everything is have it now, get it now. And, and it makes us think that, you know, the moment is the most important. Help us not to trade what we want most for what we want now. Help us not to trade what we hope to have, our eternal hopes, the people that we want to be beside us in heaven. Let us not trade those desires for the moments and the desires we want now, the things we want to spend our money on now, the desire to have easier conversations now, the desire to win the fight now and say things that probably are going to cause a lot of problems later. Help us, Father, to have long-term focus. Help us to not be average, to not just focus on the now like everybody else. Help us to understand that eternity is real, that eternity is coming for everyone, and help us to invest in the most important things, the things that are far greater, that cannot be taken by moth or rust or vermin or thieves, because you have surrounded them with perfect life in heaven, perfect uh, peace in heaven, perfect joy in heaven. Let us understand a wise investment for a fleet, the difference between a wise investment and a fleeting one, and help us to make the right choice. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus and the salvation that makes it possible for us to get to heaven and have eternal peace and joy with you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.